Welcome to Sharp Waves, a podcast from the International League Against Epilepsy. Our episodes cover epilepsy research, clinical care, career development, and issues in diagnosis and treatment from around the globe. In this episode, we talked with Katja Kobo, the most recent winner of the Michael Prize, an international award in epilepsy research. Her work focuses on epigenetics and epilepsy. And she talked about the prize, her research, and how far this field has come in only the past 10 to 15 years. My name is Katja Kobo. I'm an assistant professor at the Institute of Neuropathology at the University Hospital Erlangen in Germany. So can you tell us a bit about the Michael Prize and the research that you submitted in your application? The Michael Prize is a prize awarded by the Michael Foundation, which is a private uh, foundation. And as far as I know, the oldest private foundation for epilepsy. Um, It's a German foundation. And it was in the beginning more a German prize, but then became a big international prize and is uh, awarded every uh, second year and um, is, I think, by now the biggest prize in epilepsy um, research. And it's not only for for researchers in terms of of uh, natural scientists, but also uh, for clinicians doing research on epilepsy. And it's um, always... uh, has some um, topical focuses, which which is changing um, regularly, so that it will not be always about you know the same uh, things because some topics are more prominent than others, and this type of rotation just gives the opportunity to to um, include more uh, interesting research. Um, it's a prize actually that's uh, where you don't have to be. Um, awarded but you apply yourself um so that's maybe a big difference uh, to other prizes and uh, i think yeah it's it's like um the biggest prize in the epilepsy field uh, for me it's a big honor uh, to receive it because when i read the list of names that have received it so far um it's like the who is who <laughs> in epilepsy research and to be a part of that is um makes me really proud so you submit usually three papers um, on a specific topic. Um, and I uh, submitted um, three main publications of myself focused on um, epigenetics in uh, epilepsy. And um, my research in the beginning was more focused on, on mechanistic aspects of epilepsy development and how epigenetics contributes to that. But it has, because of where I work in, in the neuropathology, um, shifted also towards um, molecular diagnostics of epilepsy. And so using epigenetic signatures to actually be able to diagnose epilepsy and specific lesions associated with epilepsy and to rationalize the diagnostic process by not just relying on histopathological features, which may sometimes be not very well defined for some entities. Here you have a chance to use molecular signatures to actually become more um, confident in, in your diagnosis and also to let's say, liberalize uh, the process a little bit so that people who have not the knowledge or, or not the experience of 40 years diagnosing um, 
lesions, uh, structural brain lesions in epilepsy can still have um, some idea of what kind of lesion they are looking at, even if they are not too familiar with the microscopic process, let's say. So that's kind of the vision of that work. Can you describe what epigenetics is and how it might relate to epilepsy? <laughs> And yeah. words or less? No. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that's always the tricky question to be answered in three Take sentences. as long as you want. <laughs> so um, epigenetics is the bookmarking system or the data management system of our genome, right? So it decides which part of the genome is read at which time point during development and in response to certain um cues like environmental cues or things like that. And so while our genome is static, more or less, the epigenome is what makes it versatile in terms of then regulating gene expression as an adaptive response to, to um, yeah, environmental cues. It is very important for all aspects of um, brain development and function. And so, of course, if, the, if there is a malfunction of the brain, it's kind of logic also to consider epigenetics as, as one of the mechanisms that is failing here. And the interesting part about epigenetics and epilepsy is um, beyond the part for, for the diagnostics that I'm using is also um, in terms of looking for new therapies because epigenetics is by nature a reversible mechanism. So um, it always has enzyme pairs working one way and the other way. And so uh, modifications can be established, but it can also be removed. And so here we have maybe a new target also to, to modify the, the epileptic process, uh, really in targeting a mechanism and not just ictogenesis. I'm uh, concentrating in my epigenetic studies on DNA methylation. So that's uh, methyl groups added to cytosine, um, nucleotides uh, in, in the uh, genome and uh, regulating gene expression by usually silen silencing genes, um, to, to put it very simple. Uh, and um, basically, this is the, the most stable epigenetic modification that we have. So biology uses DNA methylation to silence developmental genes for 100 years. Once they've been used at the beginning of our development, and it needs to be shut down for the rest of our life. This is what DNA methylation does. So by nature, it's considered um, stable. And uh, we have knowledge that, um, like from, from cancer research and, and from other research, that um, epigenetic signatures also contribute to um, what we call the molecular memory of a cell. So a cell remembers um, things that it has experienced. And um, this is kind of written in our epigenome. And uh, the idea behind my work basically is that if we have an epileptic network and cells that are part of this epileptic network and are participating in generating seizures, they have a knowledge, a molecular knowledge of this type of activity. And so um, what we know also from other diseases is that uh, we can really use these epigenetic profiles, these DNA methylation profiles across the entire genome as uh, something to um, diagnose and classify um, disease. And so what I've done is I've checked uh, structural brain lesions, mainly malformations of cortical development and looked for their specific DNA methylation profile. Um, 
I had some some evidence coming from from animal models when I compared different animal models that they all have their specific DNA methylation signatures. So there was evidence that the DNA methylation signature associates with the seizure phenotype in these animal models, but also with um, the underlying etiology. So different models had different um, signatures. Um, and that was uh, kind of the basis uh, uh, or, or the first evidence for me that I could maybe also use this to, to classify um, different uh, lesions in, in human epilepsy. So we tested that in um, patients with focal cortical dysplasia and have now extended this research to, to many other malformations of cortical development. And we can really see specific DNA methylation profiles in all these different brain lesions. And um, this really helps to, to diagnose these lesions because some of them are really bad described for their histopathological hallmarks. So somebody who's not too familiar with that, who is not a trained neuropathologist for the past 40 years, will maybe not recognize some of these lesions under the microscope because it looks almost normal. And um, so these molecular signatures help to really distinguish these entities and, and can, yeah, even identify new disease entities, which we haven't maybe recognized before. What are the implications of being able to diagnose these different uh, lesions? All of our understanding of whether it is mechanisms or treatments or prognosis or whatever, really relies on a very specific an accurate diagnosis of the patient. And the diagnosis of the patient for me, for focal epilepsy patients with a structural brain lesion, doesn't stop with an EEG and an MRI and maybe the decision for surgery, but um, you know, the diagnostic process ends with a histopathological workup of the tissue. And so we can only be sure about the diagnosis once we see the histology. And from there, we can then try to understand better what has been found, you know, as signatures beforehand in the EG or the MRI, you know, really makes sense out of these signals. But also in terms of making a prognosis, will the patient be seizure-free after the surgery? What's their, you know, likely outcome after, after surgery? Um, this really depends also on what type of lesion we identify. Uh, at least that's our current knowledge that, that the type of lesion is really um, one of the prognostic features uh, for, for the for surgical outcomes. And um, one could also think that um, beyond, you know, just using these DNA methylation signatures for the diagnosis and classification of, of uh, epilepsy and, and underlying brain lesions, um, one could really think also of identifying um, in this uh, signature parts that give a prognosis also on I don't know, drug response or, or other things. So I, I think we can identify later on many more associ uh, associations, which, which are then clinically meaningful. Um, it's for the moment speculation, but um, we know from, from cancer research, for instance, that this is possible. And so I think and hope that we can use this in epilepsy as well. So someone has a lesion that is considered operable. So they have epilepsy surgery, and then you can look at the lesion and use epigenetic techniques to better understand where the lesion came from, why it's there, and whether 
if that person is still having seizures, maybe what treatment, what drugs they might respond to best. Yeah, I I can maybe add that um, the idea and the next step for research is um, that uh, maybe we don't have to do the surgery first and then look for the epigenetics, but maybe uh, we find parts of this signature also in the blood of the patients because um, there is cell-free DNA um, that we could identify. There is, of course, because of the blood-brain barrier leakage in epilepsy, there is some sort of... um, let's say, communication between blood and brain. Uh, and so uh, I would not exclude that we can, if we have sensitive methods, um, identify parts of these epigenetic signatures also from the blood. And then, of course, this would become just so much more important because you could do all this diagnosing and classification and making a prognosis uh, before surgery. And um, that would be so much more useful. So that's really uh, something that I will look into um, in the future and and see whether this is possible. So how did you get into epigenetics research initially? Uh, By accident. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's a good question. Um, I think it was... um, yeah, it was really uh, just by chance because my job interview uh, for uh, the job where I am now in, in this institution um, 16 years ago was um, not the normal job interview uh, that I had before experience. But the first question was, OK, this is the technical problem. We have this gene which is down regulated in epilepsy and has this and that function. And. Why do you think is it downregulated and how could we check for that? And I said, well, I would start with DNA methylation. And that was basically <laughs> the start to my epigenetics research. Um, so, um, yeah, since then, I've been studying DNA methylation and, and gene regulation in epilepsy. I am not just honored to receive this prize, but um, knowing that this or remembering that this has been a very bumpy and difficult journey to um, do epigenetic research in epilepsy and um, convincing people that this is a relevant topic. It is a big joy for me to receive this prize and and see this uh, type of research really uh, valued and 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 hopefully it will help to to boost um, kind of the attention or or the the that people will will be more aware of epigenetics and um, uh, be be more interested in in this topic. Yeah, sort of a validation of the technique and the field, right? It's it's so big, you know, it's it's yeah. so big in, in developmental biology, it's so big in, in cancer research. And to really convince people that we should sometimes look over um you know more broadly and not just in, in our own field and, and try to learn from other research areas. Um, here I think uh, there's a lot to learn from epigenetic research in other areas and, and it's really a for me a promising uh, field for so many reasons and and the data we have seen is just so convincing that um, yeah 
I'm I'm really happy to to be working in this field and and to push this further. So it sounds as if it's taken some time for the news to spread about the potential of epigenetics research in epilepsy. One of my first talks, um, international talks that I had, I remember it was in 2009 or 2011. We had a chapter meeting of the German, Austrian and Swiss League against epilepsy. And I had organized a session on epigenetics and I had a wonderful lineup of speakers organized um, who were really experts in their field, not from epilepsy, but, you know, just giving some insights, uh, insights into what epigenetics could mean to brain function and, and, and uh, disease, including epilepsy. And um, the disappointing thing was we were speaking in front of an empty room. So basically there were two people sitting in the room, nobody else. It was an empty room. I was so disappointed. The funny thing was that the two people who were listening, they were afterwards so impressed by, by all what they've heard that they were kind of running around and telling everybody about the cool session they had been in. So in the end of these, I don't know, several days of meetings, somebody came to me and said, oh, did you hear about that epigenetic session? You know, it must have been great. Did you go there? I said, well, you know, <laughs> I've been organizing it. Um, yes, I, <laughs> I know it was a cool session. Unfortunately, nobody came. But I'm happy that it's gaining momentum and the group of people doing epigenetic research and epilepsy is growing. And um, that's really cool. That is cool. Yeah. And even in the Jasper's basic mechanisms of the epilepsy, there will be a chapter on epigenetics. That's amazing. I mean, it does take time for new topics to become accepted by the community sometimes. Um, although those topics are always the ones I'm most interested in, but, um, you know, in general, it does take some time. So it's great that you've been able to see that transition and that momentum. I have the same feeling like you, you know, when there's something new and, and especially the topics where nobody else is listening. That's really what, what is interesting to me. And I really like working with people outside of epilepsy. I don't know. My best collaborators are from, from, from the um, diabetes and, and um, heart disease uh, area. And um, it's, it's been really interesting because metabolism has such a big role in, in epilepsy as well. Um, and it's also linked to epigenetics. And so um, it's been really a great collaboration and, and gave me many new insights. And, and yeah, you just look differently at, at the whole thing. You can find links to Dr. Kobo's research in our show notes. And applications for the upcoming Michael Prize are now open and available until the end of 2022. You can also find more information about that in the show notes or by visiting ilae.org slash Michael. Thanks for listening to Sharp Waves. Our content is meant for informational purposes only and not as medical or clinical advice. The International League Against Epilepsy is the world's preeminent association of health professionals and scientists working toward a world where no person's life is limited by epilepsy. Find more Sharp Waves episodes wherever you get your podcasts or at ilae.org.